That was my favorite game I've been a part of so far. That was, that was great. That was a great one. It doesn't stop here. This is our last home game, but the real season is just starting. We got the ACC tournament. And then we got our sights on six in the NCAA tournament. We're, we're trying to do bigger things right now. This is the Five Point Play Podcast, the diehard Duke basketball fans podcast. Did a little spring cleaning in Cameron Indoor Stadium last night. Woo! Breaking out the brooms, sweeping the Tar Heels 2-0 this season. Last night it was neck and neck for the first 32 or so minutes. And then Duke just stepped on the gas like we've been asking for them to do all year. Just like I predicted AC that Duke yeah, just, just like you put it down, man. You all, all season long, you you've been banging the drum, banging the drum for Duke. So I was I was happy to see I was happy to see the victory, man. Yeah, for you, really. Of, I was happy for you. Yeah, really. And I deserve this one. Um, <laughs> honestly, honestly, huge game, a huge win. We start to have some momentum coming into the ACC tournament, and then following with the NCAA tournament. We'll we'll touch on that game. We're going to talk about Trey Jones' performance and did he lock up the ACC Player of the Year last night. We're going to get into some overreactions uh, now that the regular season is. I can't believe I'm saying this is over now. Um, we're talking about the ACC tournament, and we'll give our predictions for what's going to happen this week in Greensboro. But AC, you and I watched this game to the, together. Duke UNC, it never disappoints. But what were your overall reactions, and how many times have you watched the game since? <laughs> Twice so far today, and. The the biggest thing, I mean, they did they did what I wanted and needed to see, which was it wasn't a twenty point victory. I wanted twenty, but I'll I'll take the double digit victory. I will take the way we got it, the essentially the dominating fashion in which we got it. We were able to to really pressure them on defense and make them really inefficient. I mean, Brandon Robinson's the only guy who even you know was remotely efficient, and he was just unconscious from three for those those couple of shots he took. But we were absolutely in our zone. They they kept it nip and tuck a little bit, but I just I just like seeing us be able to do what we did and then stand man. Like K, he really did. He reined back on the overplay a bit, which we've been asking for. Either over, take away the overplay or play zone one or two. They didn't play any zone. We just we backed off the overplay a bit, and we we got the W kind of like in the traditional sense of just being better than the other team and just running our stuff and doing our thing. It was, it was good to see the offensive end. We were, we were very efficient. I mean, again, against what is a bad defensive team, like let's just be honest, but at least yep. we, we ran our stuff for, for the majority of the game. We really did just run, run our plays and do what we wanted to do. J Rob shout out to J Rob. Have, have what, what a big game for him getting the ESPN interview afterwards. Like, and that kid just keeps he keeps producing. So, I mean, at this point, you got to think he's a part of the rotation. I mean, I don't I don't see how he can't be at this point. So, once again, big victory. Love seeing the the bench points that we got because of Vernon Carey. But you no, know, it, it was fun. That was that was a fun game to watch. Yeah, you know, 
we beat them in every facet of the game. Uh, we outshot mm-hmm. them. We took 18 less shots than they did. Uh, we shot 47% from the field, 47.5% from three. Uh, an amazing 29-33 from the foul line. Beautiful. If you can shoot free throws like that, especially guys like Beautiful. Trey Jones, he has to make those free throws because he is going to get to the line so much, uh, especially mm-hmm. in a tight game. So great to see him making free throws. Uh, we're pretty much even with, with UNC in terms of rebounding, 38-37. They're, which is great because they're board. yeah we, we talked about that in our last podcast leading up that you know their strength is obviously on the blocks now they did get 19 offensive rebounds but we did a really good job we had eight blocks so we were in the right places mm-hmm. um, we recovered very nicely overall you know our assists were up obviously you know 19 assists 11 of them coming from Trey Jones held them to seven you know when the game started pulling away uh, for for Duke. Paul Anthony went into hero ball and started forcing just some awful shots. So, right. you know, we we did, we imposed our will on them. We, mm-hmm. we took the game to them from the gates and, and credit to J-Rob, credit to Javin, credit to Jack White. You know, the three seniors, I was a little bit worried about a slow start there. But they did a really good job. And, and you just kind of mm-hmm. felt like it was our night when we saw the, the bank in three. Uh, from from Justin Robinson right. um, at the end of the shot clock early in the, in, in that first sequence. So um, I want to talk you know about what else, Trey Jones. Uh, you go ahead. Real quick, you know what else was very uh, was very good to see once again, and we saw it we saw it against NC State as well at home. It was nice to see us be able to take away someone's number one scoring option for the first time in probably two and a half months. Yep. I, I think maybe since the Syracuse game. Everyone else's number one has been going nuts on us for for a little bit now. And that was kind of the discouraging part, especially heading into March, because if there's one thing you got to do on the defensive end in the tournament, it's you got to take away somebody's number one option. And and the champions are really the teams that have twos and threes that can also step up to that role. I mean, that's really what you see on offense. Like we if we can start if we can start that trend again heading into the tournament, that would be brilliant because the past couple of years, that's kind of what's bitten us in, in our losses games is not being able to stop somebody's number one option. So I was I was really happy to see that we were able to do that the, the last couple of games at least heading into the ACC tournament. You know, I think we were crying for a third option. Uh, you know, we didn't know if that would be Cassius, Wendell, mm-hmm. Matthew Hurt. I think we have it now. I think yeah. getting into the, the postseason, it has to be Cassius Stanley. He had 19 yep. again. Last night, very efficient. I thought that he hit the three that was the dagger last night. Yep. To, to you know, and so does Duke have that big three now that, that can complement you know Trey and Vernon? Is Cash is that guy going forward? He's he's got to be to start. He's got to be he, at, at least for the. It, it looks like he's the one because he's the one. He's the guy getting minutes. He's the guy that you can always rely on being on the floor because of his presence on both sides of the ball. It's got to be him. It's got to be Cassius. Early in the season, we brought this up in, in one of our uh, overreaction segments, I believe. And I think I was kind of clamoring for it to be Matt Hurt because that's when he was, you know, he was playing really well at that point. But I, I think it's going to be Cassius. Like, it, it, it obviously, it's not Matt. He's We can't rely on him being on the floor at any point, really, at this point for, for whatever, you know, defensively all the above. So it's got to be Cassius. It's got to be him. Yeah, unless Matthew Hurt is hitting um, you know, I, I think that his minutes are going to be limited. Now he will play every single game. Um, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And you know, but, but but if you have a guy like Justin Robinson who 
is is knocking him down from deep. He's so good defensively yeah. that you know that you know he he you can argue that he's taking a lot of players' minutes. He's taking yeah. Javin's minutes. He's taking Jack's minutes. He's taking Matthew Hurts' minutes. It's tough to keep him off the floor when he's playing that you, well. You can even say he's taking minutes from Alex and Joey as well. Sure, because there's points that they'd be on the floor where maybe Wendell would play the poor man's four. And now you got you get really have a true four and Justin Robinson playing that spot. I mean, that's that's a spot that Joey and or Jack would populate. Whereas now it's it's Wendell and Cash is on the floor, or Jordan and Cashes or whoever, you know what I mean? So that's that's an, he's he really is taking like five guys' spots, which I mean that's indicative of what he does on the floor. Like he defense, block shots, four block shots this game. He's blocks and I, I forgot how many he had against NC State. I mean, that's what the guy does, man. He just he comes in and he makes plays, the steals, the the hustle plays, the 50-50 balls that he gets. I mean, you gotta outwork him to play, and nobody has proven that they're gonna do that. So he he's playing, he's gotta be playing from here on out. Gotta be. Yeah, he, he absolutely does. I don't see a scenario at this point where he's not going to be playing major minutes. I thought that Wendell Moore, um, you know, he didn't have his best game, but he, you know, he played 23 minutes in this one, and I think that that's probably the right amount. I think mm-hmm, if you start mm-hmm. asking him to do too much, uh, it's, it's when he starts getting into trouble with the turnovers. He had an amazing pass to to Trey Jones on that fast break. Uh, and that that's where he's at his best. And so yep. if we can, you know, with Justin Robinson playing the way he is, it allows us to, you know, take a little bit of that pressure off of another one of the freshmen, which is Wendell Moore. So mm-hmm. I really like the the lineup right now. You know, Kate basically plays seven guys the majority of the minutes. You know, Jack you know, had six minutes and Matthew had nine. I think that that's probably going to be what it is going forward. But mm-hmm. uh, overall, you know, you, you have to be optimistic. You have to be energized. We have some momentum now that we, we desperately needed. I mean, if you talked about us two weeks ago uh, or even, you know, at the end of last week, even though we had that good second half against NC State, this is something that we needed. We really needed a strong performance. And, yep. and if for nothing else, you know, take away whatever momentum, false or real, that Carolina had coming into this one. I hope they lose <laughs> Tuesday night. So, yeah, absolutely. You know, I'm sorry Cole Anthony said that uh, nobody wants to play him. Well, I'm pretty sure after this one, he don't want to play anymore either. So, um, so great win. <laughs> uh, just just as I predicted, AC. Uh, just Duke like you said, 13, Yeah, just like I said, 13-point uh, win. Next play. Let's switch gears now to did Trey Jones – Lock up, pun intended, because he locked up Cole Anthony last night. <laughs> Did he lock up the ACC Player of the Year and Defensive Player of the Year last night? For the ACC, absolutely, I think he did. I uh, at the at this point, it can't be anyone else. Even even Vernon, we we talked about really, we talked about it being Vernon's to to lose a while ago, and then I I just I did, he he still played really well, and I still think if someone votes him. I don't. I don't see. Definitely not seeing a unanimous vote for. But sure, I absolutely see Vernon getting some some votes there, and I wouldn't have a problem with that because Vernon still is incredibly dominant, despite teams pulling double and triple teams on him. But I I think because of what Trey does on both sides of the ball, also the voters always give the benefit of the doubt to someone who's an upperclassman, and I mean, really at this point, a sophomore is really an upperclassman. I think Trey gets it. I do. I think he gets it. I think just the way he facilitates, the way he scores, 
the the UNC win that the the what he did at the UN, in the end of the UNC game might have that might have been what catapulted him in the beginning over top of Vernon and I think he's just stayed at that level since then. So I I don't I wouldn't give it to anybody else at this point. I mean, he's earned it. He's absolutely earned it. Nawara yeah, hasn't earned it. He lost it probably in in the end of uh, January, early February. I mean, it's got to yeah. be Trey, right? I, I would think so. You know, Trey coming into this game had ranked uh, 16th points per game, second in assists, uh, 6th in steals, 8th mm-hmm. in field goal percentage, 3rd in assist to turnover, and all of those, you know, obviously are going to go up uh, outside right. of the field goal percentage. But um, all of those are going to go up. I, I, I can't see a scenario where it's anybody other than Vernon Carey that might be able to steal it from him. But you know, what he was able to do, especially defensively, he completely took Cole Anthony out of that game. Um, mm-hmm. Cole Anthony coming into that one, and we talked about it, his last three games was you know, absolutely on fire. And he was frustrated the entire night. You can see it visibly. At one point, he tried to trip Trey. Uh, I don't know why that's not getting more news. Because Grayson uh, did that. I heard Grayson yeah, got suspended you know, because of that, by the way. It's not Grayson Allen, right? So, um, you know, Trey additionally is the only player uh, in the nation uh, averaging over 16 points, 66, one and a half steals, 43 plus uh, field goal percentage, huh. two to one, uh, assist to turnover, and he's well above all of those. So, oh, yeah. um, I, I just don't see a scenario, and it's good to see because he did come back. He elevated every single one of his numbers, and I think the best part is is that he elevated his three point percentage from something like 21 to 37 on. Mm-hmm almost double times two and a half the amount of attempts that that yep. just speaks to how hard he worked and, and what he's getting and i love him in transition getting that pull up three absolutely yeah that the pull up in the the mid-range those are two things he added to his game a lot of times you don't you don't see guys add something they just make what they have better but he really added some weapons to his game and he truly is as well he's our end of game guy like we we've yeah. seen it now on multiple occasions at the end of games, we saw it early, like in December, we saw it at the end of halves. And we kind of jokingly on this podcast said it almost looks like he's practicing for end of game situations. Like some of the plays they drew up in the ha- at the end of half, some of those plays, if you go back and look, they are plays that he has used and K has drawn up for, for Trey in some of these close games down the stretch. And I mean, I absolutely, that those are absolutely get the feeling of taking those shots with the clock running down and you know, seemingly a meaningless game at the end of a half. Like who? Like what coaches? Not many coaches are going to go back and look at those games and say, "All right, this is the play we got to look out for at the end of a game." And and Trey was getting those back then. So you know, kudos to them on how they were running things because that was that that's been amazing. Yeah, they, they talked about his work with John Shire one on one and what they prepare for, and they prepare for every single situation. And as I, uh, my favorite quote again, uh, we used it after he hit that game tying shot uh, against Carolina, luck favors the prepared man. And, you know, he's worked so hard on putting himself in the right position because of the work he's done uh, behind closed doors. So credit to him. And and this is with all the focus of the opposing perimeter every single night trying to stop him. So, Mm -hmm. you know, that's the position that um, he's had to deal with the entire season. He's handled it so well. And and I really hope that, you know, for him, I, I just think it would mean so much to him to, to be an ACC player of the year for Duke. 
Um, yeah. But we do have some overreactions. There's actually not an overreaction. They say that Trey Jones locked it up last night. But we do have a few overreactions to get to. We're going to bring it back. And let's start on you know, a little bit of a, uh, I guess, kind of a negative note. Um, Alex and Joey's minutes, uh, obviously, neither one of them played last night. Alex didn't play at all uh, against NC State. So that's two games in a row where he can't even find the court. Uh, we honestly talked mm-hmm. about Justin Robinson getting a lot of those minutes. But is it an overreaction to say that Duke needs both and or one of Alex and Joey to step up for us to make any noise in the NCAA tournament? Ooh-wee. So I'm going to go over to the side of I'm going to allow it. I'm going to allow it. I'll allow it. Any noise? I don't know about any noise because the team is talented enough in a down year in the NCAA to at least compete. But for us to reach our ceiling, I do think we need one of those two, if not both of them at times, to be able to play. Like the We need to be able to space the floor. I, I cannot stand. I do not want to see another NCAA tournament where we're playing teams with five guys stacked in the lane and just letting us hang out from the perimeter. And certain lineups that we put on the floor, I I absolutely believe that we will see that. I absolutely believe we will see the Taco Fall defense if Trey, Wendell, Jordan, Javin, and Vernon are on the floor together. And they're on the floor together for too many stretches, especially important stretches. And I, I I don't I can't stand it. I don't like it. When you have floor spacers, you need two to three guys on the floor who can hit consistently hit three balls. Alex, Joey, and and Matt to a degree have shown that they can be consistent three point shooters for us and and floor stretchers. And our rotation when when we were at our best, our rotation was around ten guys, and for the most part, our lineups really were put together very well. That's our biggest complaint in February has been the lineups. Justin Robinson has remedied that a little bit, but still like that. He's a guy that he's not going to be able to, I, I don't want him. I don't want to rely on him only to be that guy for us. So yeah, we saw some stretches last night in the UNC game. We complained about it, talking about it, watching there were points in the game where really our guys were just standing on the wing with no movement and no threat to shoot the ball. And it was just the Trey and Vernon show back, back and forth two man game. I don't, I don't want to see that again in the NCAA tournament this year because we saw it last year with Zion and RJ, and there wasn't enough around those two to, to propel us over a hungry Michigan State team, barely enough for a hungry UC, uh, UCF team, and, and VT Trey got hot from the three-point line. So I don't know, man. I, I, I do want to see I, – I want Alex and Joey to be capable of helping us out because like, like Dawkins in the Baylor game in 2010, it's just – it's needed sometimes. You just need somebody – who's not in the scouting report to just come off the bench with confidence, gunning the ball and, and really t- changing the other team's narrative. I, I want it, man. I do. I'm not going to, I'm going to say I, I'm allow it. Yeah, I, I certainly want it. Um, I, we got into this heated argument yesterday after the game uh, that, and my premise has been that if you have to rely on either one of those guys to justify that we can't get too far in the tournament, from that standpoint, it's an overreaction. That was an overreaction. Now, to your point uh, about you know Andre Dawkins coming in against Baylor, knocking down those two huge threes in the first half, you know we don't win that game without him. Um, mm-hmm. I do think that both Alex and Joey are capable of playing that role, 
but I really right. think that that's going to be the only role that they're going to be able to be able to play at this point. Mm-hmm. Um, where mm-hmm. like we we just need we're we're, we're stagnant on offense and we just need a, a jolt. Last night, right. you know, there was really no reason for them to play. We we scored eighty nine points and offense wasn't our problem. Um, I mean, you know, it was apparent that they weren't going to play at all either. Like their warm ups didn't even absolutely. come off. But yeah, and and you know the other thing though is that offensively we were we were playing well. Uh, we did have problems uh, where they were getting a lot of looks, kind of in that one stretch in the second half before we took mm-hmm. took it away, um, where they were getting a lot of you know easy looks in the lane. You know, neither one of those two guys is going to help in that situation. Uh, we didn't really need the points, so it's going to have to be a, a a team like you know the UVA situation where we're struggling to score and we need one right. of those guys to help spread the floor for Vernon really uh, and for Trey mm-hmm. to be able to drive. That's really the only situation. So in my opinion, it's a little bit of an overreaction because I think that they're just going to be situational guys at this point going forward. And, and to me, I'm okay with it. I'm, I'm okay with that too. And that, and that's, that's all I want. Like, I don't, I'm not, you know, I'm not saying that those two are all Americans that, you know, right. they're the thing that are going to make us great. It's just, we've seen too many times some really good Duke teams, especially this past decade going into the tournament with pretty much all their cards on the table. Like yeah. every, everyone knows what we have last year. Everyone knew what we had Zion and RJ. That was it. And they were able to scheme around it the year before everyone knew Bagley was getting the ball before Wendell Carter and anybody else. The year before that, everyone knew Jason Tatum was driving off the wing and you might get Luke Kennard coming off of what he did. So they they knew they knew what we were doing they knew what we had and and we weren't able to to overcome that. I just have this feeling with this team, and I've had this feeling even through the losses, even through some of those stretches that we had. I've just had this feeling that we have some heroes on the bench, man, and we've 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 now seen it with Justin, and and I think it's gonna change. I, I really do. I think we have some heroes on the bench for one game, just for one game, even sure somebody who comes in and makes one of those heroic stretches right you know what i mean so i i just i don't want it to be i just really hope and i'm not there practice i really hope it's one of those things where alex and joey at this point they are doing like j-rob did which is they're just waiting for their turn and when they get it they're going to take advantage of it that's that's all i can hope for at this point yeah we've seen alex do that in the past we've seen joey do it in the past so we know that they're capable mm-hmm. um and hopefully that they you know when called upon and, and there will be a time uh that they will be one of them or both will be called upon and hopefully they deliver. Um, but yep. you did you did talk about um, playing your cards, and you know, uh, in past years, pretty much everybody knew what we had. In 2016, mm-hmm. um, you know, it was the the Ingram and Grayson show. In yep. 2017, we couldn't stop anybody. Um, yep. You know, uh, Jabari they, and they, 14, they, like they knew what was going to happen. We, just, we couldn't do it, and in 2017, we couldn't we couldn't get a stop. Plus, that team didn't know how to put people away. 2018, right. you know, we seemed to put a, a Band-Aid, a, a lipstick on a page defensively. Um, we just couldn't, you know, quite, you know, get to the last part. And they had some uh, some other issues going on with that team, chemistry-wise. Is it an overreaction, though, this year to say that Justin Robinson is the ace in the hole that we have been clamoring for, wondering about from the first podcast of the season that we did you know, after watching Justin Robinson play well in the exhibition, talking about, you know, I wouldn't be surprised this year if Justin Robinson gets some meaningful minutes at some point. It's Justin mm-hmm. Robinson that ace in the hole now, that Brian Zubek second half of senior <laughs> year type of type of deal. Uh, is that, you know, 
is is he is he Coach K's secret weapon? Um, and that's this is another one two for two on the allow man. I'm gonna allow this one again. I'll allow it. And it's it's what he brings. He brings the fundamentals and the intangibles. And we just we talked about it in the last segment. He essentially has replaced or or at least shifted five guys minutes with what he does on the floor because he's taking care of the floor spacer role. He's taking care of the defensive role. He's taking care of the rebounding role. He's taking care of the leadership role on the floor. Like that's those are four big major components that you get typically from guys who have been playing meaningful minutes for four years. And all he's done for the last four years is be that scout team guy who knows how to read other teams' defenses. There's got to be something valuable in that, man. And he's shown it. He's shown the ability to do it since that weight game. He showed it two years ago in the pit game. I, I just, I got to think that what he's doing translates. Like, it's not a fluke. At this point, it's not a fluke. It's not matchup dependent. It's not based on level of competition. I think what he's able to do, he's athletic enough to hang with anyone in D1. He's got the length to be able to defend down low and play help D. And if if we're done, if we're done with the overplay, which I really hope we are, that really speaks to what he does because now he can't be spaced out to the half court line. He's playing near the interior where he really does most of his damage. So, yeah, man, I, I, I think he is that he's that piece that we needed. It's almost like, you know, the glue, the whole glue guy, glue guy cliche. He he really does pull together a lot of these lineups that we were seeing that created a lot of mismatches when Javin was on the floor or when Wendell was on the floor with certain players or when Jack had to play some minutes or when Joey and Alex were playing and weren't playing D really like he's pulling some of these lineups together. And that's what you need. You need cohesion and you need that bond, that covalent bond, bringing some of these lineups together. And I think that's him. Yeah. You know, against Wade Forest, he had six points and two rebounds, two rebounds in the NC State game, he had 10 points and six rebounds. Carolina, 13 points, six rebounds. Mm-hmm. Uh, four blocks, three assists. You and know, that six and two felt like, you know, the most important six and two of all time. Like, the yeah, things he was doing on the court. Like, he, he doesn't need stats to impact the game. Uh, absolutely. And he's had, uh, in his last three games, he's had eight blocks. So those mm-hmm. are things that he's protecting the rim. We talked about, um, and we said this at the beginning, uh, he's taken a lot of different people's minutes, right? You know, he's better mm-hmm. defensively than Javin is. Uh, he finishes better than Javin does. He's a better, more confident shooter now than than Jack White. So those mm-hmm. two are, are sitting behind uh, Justin Robinson at this point. Um, obviously, we know what's going on with Alex and and uh, and Joey. Matthew Hurd is kind of that same type of player, but he's not there physically or right. uh, experience-wise than Justin is. So right. you have to play him over Matt. And then, you know, I really like the fact that it takes a lot of the pressure off of guys like Wendell Moore. So he is not only the ace in the hole, but he's the jack of all trades. Like, he's hmm. the Swiss Army knife where we can kind of plug him in with pretty much every lineup that we have, and he can be just fine out there. And there yep. were multiple plays last night where I saw him, you know, basically foreshadowing the play that UNC was going to run before they ran it. He's yep. still on the scout team. He's still yep. running the scout team. So like he knows what the opposing teams are going to be doing schematically um, just as well as they do. And that yep. is such a, a, a huge advantage to have a guy like that, a fifth-year senior. So he is 100%, I'm going to allow it, the ace in the hole 
for this mm-hmm. Duke team, and I hope it continues. I'll allow it. He's gonna, you know, just continue to fuel our guys and, and you know give them confidence because we're confident with him on the floor. Let's Absolutely. wrap this up. Let's wrap this up. So, is it an overreaction to say that rather than the last three halves of basketball that we played, the entire UNC game, the second half of the NC State game, that that is not really indicative of what this Duke team is, and really that it's the losses that we had, you know, to wait, getting blown out by NC State, uh, the loss three, three in, in four games. Is that more indicative? of who we actually are is an overreaction to say that, you know, these last game and a half really is not really indicative of who we are. Uh, man, I don't I don't want to say those losses are indicative of who we are, but those are lo- those losses are indicative of who we can be if we go back to the same old stuff. And the ACC tournament's going to tell us a lot about J-Rob's role. It's going to tell us a lot about the rotations that we're going to go into the tournament with. I still think it feels like Kay's still tinkering. It's, it's, it still feels like he's not settled on who's playing and who's not playing. That team, the team that we saw against Wake, the team we saw at NC State, that team very well could creep its ugly head up. Absolutely could. And if it does, then we're gone. Like, that's, that's our elimination from the tournament right there. So I, I feel like it's a little bit of a both. Like it's it's an overreaction, and it's one of those things you can allow because again, we talked about it last podcast. Who is this team? I ha- I still don't know, and I don't think K knows. The rotation's not set. The guys coming off the bench, I don't think it's set. Who's going to come off the bench? Like I, at this at this juncture, like does J Rob start? Like does he become a starter? Like is he does he start at the four now instead of Javin? Like what? Like what's going to happen there? Like he obviously started because of senior night, but. Is he going to get the start now in in a in a regular rotation? I don't know. I have no clue at this point. So, I I think it very well could be indicative of who we are. Those because that if that team does play, then then yeah, that's what's going to happen. The team we see against UVA, that team's going to show up if 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 we play those guys on the floor together. But then again, what we saw against UNC, what we saw second half against State, is absolutely who we could be. We absolutely can play a zone when we need to. We absolutely can back off the overplay and pack the lane and, and get boards with the guys we can put on the floor. <sighs> it's it's a little bit of both, and I, I know I got to pick one, so I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna say I'm I'm gonna say until proven otherwise in this ACC tournament, it's an overreaction to say that second half NC State and UNC is who we're gonna be, and until until it's proven that that is who we're gonna be, I'm gonna say it's an overreaction. Yeah, I'm not going to struggle with this one as much as you are. Um, I, I'm definitely going to allow it. Uh, I, I think to your last point, until proven otherwise, as as much fun as I had watching us in the second half of NC State and for the majority of that Carolina game, uh, I, I need to see a little bit more. I need to, you know, show me, you know, prove it to me mm-hmm. um, that you are this team that we hope that you can be, um, that team that goes up to Michigan State and blows the doors off them. Um, that mm-hmm. you're that team that, you know, coming off an emotional win less than, you know, 48 hours later and beating a top five, top 10 FSU team. Um, you have to show me that you're, you're, you're that team and, and for me to believe it and, and really to buy in. So I'm going to allow it as well. Um, but I am encouraged. I will say that I am encouraged by mm-hmm. what I saw, you know, especially yesterday. Um, I do think that we 
do the shock while she's having a lot of versatility. And I mean that more more than personnel wise, that we have a lot of different ways to play. We've shown mm-hmm. we can play zone. We've shown we can play uh, in your face, man. We've shown we can press. We've shown we can uh, play contain. Uh, we've shown that uh, we we've I've been able to knock it down from the free throw line, knock on wood. Um, that we can hit the threes when when we when we're, when we're feeling good. Um, we can rebound uh, as long as uh, as long as Bernie Carey staying out of foul trouble, we we should be set there. So I am encouraged, but I am going to allow it. I'll allow it. All right. So mm-hmm. let's switch gears again here and talk about the ACC tournament. Let's play. Uh, Florida State. Congrats to them. They they wrapped up the regular season. Crown, so they're the number one seed. Uh, kind of out of the woodwork, UVA, uh, even though UVA, Louisville, and Duke were all tied at 15 and 5, which I predicted, by the way. Um, mm-hmm. We, you know, were the four seed, UVA is the two, Louisville the three. Um, presuming that we are able to get past our first matchup, which is no given, uh, we would play FSU yeah. in the semifinals. Talk about the overall tournament. And what do you see kind of playing out here? I, I really think it's going to be a fun tournament to watch because all season in the ACC this year, no one's been dominant. No one's had a dominant matchup over any other team. It's not like there's one team that was like, when we see you, we know we're going to beat you. Like we beat Wake by 30 and then we lose to them in overtime by double digits. So no one has, you know, no one has an, a, a clear cut advantage over any other team, truly. And yeah, I, I think. I think in the end, we end up seeing the top four in the semifinals. And then from there, you know, who, who's going to make, who's going to, you know, rise, what cream is going to rise to the top there to play in the finals. But it's going to be interesting. I think just looking around at the bracket itself, you know, I think Pitt has a chance to play spoiler with NC State. I watched that game at State that they played a couple weeks ago. And they really had state on the ropes until for, you know for at least for for about thirty minutes, and then state pulled away the last ten minutes of that game. But the zone we played is the same zone Cable plays at Pitt, and it really really bothered state on a neutral court with Kevin Keats as your head coach. I absolutely can see Cable if they can get past Wake. I absolutely see Cable can see Cable pulling that that victory off, and I, I'd love to see honestly I'd love to see the matchup of Pitt over the matchup of NC State because what state does bothers me more than what Pitt does on the other side of the bracket you know you got Louisville and Virginia possibly matching up there Syracuse I mean they're kind of in a free fall can can Carolina even beat Tech right off the bat they you know obviously they have the inside presence over Tech Tech has no one on the interior so I kind of had the feeling UNC takes that victory and we saw what UNC did against Syracuse a couple weeks ago can they repeat that performance I don't think so but you know, you never know how they you never know how they're gonna do against that zone. Notre Dame is a scary team in this tournament because of how close they've kept games all season long. So they're not afraid of close games. Kind of the same goes for UVA. So that that could be a possibly a fun matchup that we see right there. And then of course FSU, man, with the way they they rotate guys in and out. I don't I don't think they're gonna have a problem with anyone until they get to that semi possible semifinal matchup with us. So it, it's gonna be a fun tournament. It's absolutely gonna be a fun tournament to watch. I love conference tournament week. Sometimes even more than the actual tournament, the start of the tournament weekend. Just there's so many games all day long, different conferences. But the ACC conference is where we are and where we're going to be paying attention. And it's it's going to be a fun, tough tournament. And I don't think 
winning the ACC tournament means that you're you're destined for Final Four fame or glory or anything like that. I, I think I think a good showing out of out of for our team in the ACC tournament. Don't get the doors blown off of you, whether you win the whole thing or not. Just go out there and compete. Show what you can do with these new some of these new pieces in the lineup. And and I I like to see us at you know in the semifinals and hopefully in the finals. But if not, you know what? I think we go into the tournament with a good verve, as Kay likes to say. Yeah, I think so too. I I I have this team circled on on this bracket, Notre Dame. Um, mm-hmm. I could easily see Notre Dame losing to Boston College or going through beating them, beating Virginia, and possibly beating Louisville. Um, yeah. it's, it's, you know, that's that's kind of how the season's gone, but that's who Notre Dame is, and White right. Ray is so good in the ACC tournament. So I would not be surprised at all to see Notre Dame in the championship yeah. game on the on the below side. Uh, up top, you know, it's kind of a hodgepodge. You know, it, it there's really no excuse uh, for it not to be Duke and Florida State uh, right. in the semifinals. Clemson gave Florida State a little bit of a run they last did. week. They did. They did, and I, I think that you know, uh, Florida State uh, is just too good for for that yeah. to happen twice. Yeah. Um, you know, so you know, you would expect Clemson to to beat Miami and go on to play Florida State, but I would expect mm-hmm. Florida State to to knock them off, play Duke in the semifinals. And do I get crazy and put Notre Dame in? I, I mean, I'm, I, I could, uh, and then they'll probably <laughs> lose to Boston College. But I'm going to do it. I'm going to go. I'm going to go Notre Dame play in Louisville in the semifinals. Wow. Um, yeah. No, I, I just I don't know. I don't know why I have. I don't disagree. Going, but, I don't yeah, disagree. I, I I'm just, with you. Yeah, I'm with you. And but but I'll tell you what, we're all we're all hokies on uh, Tuesday night at 7 p.m. <laughs> yeah. so, Man, um, what? Wait a minute. Hold on. Yeah. Stamp this. Stamp this. What is this? Our 20th podcast this season? Stamp it on the 20th podcast of the season. TK's a hokey. Just, I just, just I'm putting it down. Just on Tuesday <laughs> night at 7 p.m. Man, like from seven, I got too well, excited, I, I mean, man. Yeah, so 7 p.m. to about 9.15 or so, yeah, I'll be a hokey cat. Um, <laughs> right, but after that, it's, it's, it's over. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, so <laughs> that's the ACC tournament. Uh, I'm looking forward to it. Uh, let's now get to the final pillar of this podcast. Your predictions. Semifinals, championship game, winner. Who do you got? Whew. All right. I I just I just think it's going – I just think it's going to happen. I think Thursday, I think we end up seeing Pittsburgh. I think we see Pitt. We see Pitt. I'm good to go there. I th- I, I think we get the victory like 76 to 61. Move on healthily to Florida State. It's going to be a tough game on Friday. It's a 7 o'clock game, not the 9 o'clock game. I'm happy about that. Man, that's going to be a tough one. I don't I don't know that I can pick us over FSU. I just don't know that I can. I think that's I think that's where we I think it's where it hits us, man. I think they're athletes and and they're on a mission. They really are truly on on a mission right now in this point of the season. I think they have more hope than they've ever had. So I, I think it's going to be a close one, but I 75-72, I think FSU gets us, man. And and then, and I think we move to the tournament from there. And do you just think the FSU rolls through and and wins this this whole thing? Yeah, I mean, I don't see anybody on the other side of the bracket that beats them. If if yeah. we were on the other side of the bracket, I, I feel better about that them having to go through three ga- or two games before they get to us, vice versa. But this one, it's just, mm, 
I, I don't like it. Yeah, but I, I think they win it. I think Florida State will take it at that point. And Larry Hamilton gets they, coach of the year. Who do they beat? FSU over Louisville, 68 to 62. All right. Uh, there you have it. Uh, I agree with you. Um, I think that we beat – I think we're going to play NC State. I, th- I think we beat them. Um, but I think that Florida State is too much for us. I would have much rather played Louisville uh, in the mm-hmm. semifinals if, if possible. I think that um, the the bodies that FSU has, we've already beaten them. It's going to be tough for us to, to do it twice. Uh, mm-hmm. So I think Florida State, you know, kind of moves in, moves ahead of us pretty comfortably. Uh, you know, like a like a seventy-eight to sixty-nine type of game. Mm-hmm. Um, I just think we're we'll be tired and just. I don't think this team is ready for this tournament. Uh, like I think that they will be ready for the NCAA tournament. Um, so Florida State in the championship. And then I'm gonna do you it. Know? I'm gonna do it. I'm gonna do it though. I'm gonna give Notre Dame over Louisville Man. in a close one. Uh, FSU versus Notre Dame in the ACC Tournament Championship in Greensboro, the lowest attended uh, ACC <laughs> Tournament Championship of all time. Uh, <laughs> and uh, I think FSU uh, stops the, uh, the Cinderella story for the Irish and uh, does it in a convincing fashion, uh, 84 to 67. So FSU will be your ACC Tournament Champion. But, you know, you know if, AC... that, if we do play state and win one against state, it'll be, it'll, it'll mirror 2014-15, man. Right there. I'll take it. I'll take it. The, the Jones uh, Brothers, man. Hey, there was a great documentary I saw. It was only about five and a half minutes uh, talking about uh, the Jones family. Go watch mm-hmm. it. Duke, uh, Duke Men's Basketball Twitter has it uh, up there if you want to go take a look at it. It's a must watch for, for any Duke fans. Bring your tissues. You will be choked up. Uh, but hey, regular season over. Uh, yep. You know, 15 and 5 in the ACC. Swept the ACC. We're playing with house money at this point. I'm pumped. Let's get Trey Jones, that uh, ACC Player of the Year, plus Defensive Player of the Year. Vernon Carey, Trey Jones on the first team. Uh, Vernon Carey, ACC Freshman of the Year. That should be unanimous. You know, I, I think it was a good overall regular season, man. And now it's the best time of year. It's tournament time. Let's go. Let's get it. Let's go, Duke. Thank you for tuning in to the Five Point Play Podcast, the number one Duke fans podcast. Check us out at Instagram at Five Point Play Podcast. That's the number Five Point Play Podcast. And on Twitter, Five Point Play Podcast. Go, Duke.